Hello, 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 and welcome, people of planet Earth. You have tuned in to News of the World, where we summarize what is going on in this world, this new world that we live in. And in order to understand everything, we bring our finest brains available. Uh, that is myself, Mark Fonseca Rendeiro, aka Bicycle Mark in Amsterdam. And I bring upon, I call upon another brain, Tim Pritlove in Berlin. Hello, Tim. Hello, Mark. You're right. Oh, it's it's all becoming so clear as we approach the end of 2020. I finally understand. Uh, oh, what do you understand now that you haven't understood before? Uh, the world Already? and <laughs> how things work. <laughs> People used to say the emperor has no clothes. I always wondered what's wrong with his oh. wardrobe. Now I get it. I get it. There's just not much there there. Stop the press. Stop the press. <laughs> Mark has figured it out. <laughs> the end of 2020. I'm going to give you the end of the show first. <clears throat> These people don't know much. They're just people and they kind of suck at what they do, but they get these big jobs. Wow. Good night. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, this is really the show wherein everything is explained. Yeah. Yeah. But I've got, I've got everything. your... The, all those answers you've been looking for all year, all the answers you look for as you shop on Amazon or wherever you shop, thinking with this click, with this delivery, this will be the answer. And then the next day, there you are searching again, thinking, no, 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 it's the next item I buy when it arrives. Tomorrow yeah. you will be lucky on eBay. <laughs> so we've made it to middle of December. Some would argue we're way past the first half of December. The end of 2020 looms. We on this program have talked about the election in the United States. We've talked about coronavirus. These things are still present in our lives, Tim. We, we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely mark? not. Germany just having uh, started its second big lockdown. Yes. Yes. Uh, I and also, the Netherlands too, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And on that day, I had to, or the day after, I had to take a train for some income-related, work-related appointments that I couldn't get out of. Um, despite health risks, and I saw the world, in the Netherlands at least, between train stations and people still going to work. But yeah, far, far less people. It's it's pretty quiet, but not, it does not compare with the quietness of the, the, the March lockdown here. I thought it was so wonderfully quiet then. Now, people are kind of, they still do their thing. They're just, they do less things. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be the craziest Christmas ever in Europe and... Uh... All, all everybody wants for Christmas is getting vaccinated. <laughs> all I want for Christmas is my two vaccinations. My two vaccinations. My two vaccinations. Yeah. yeah. On the first day of Christmas, <laughs> my doctor brought to me yep. so, a vaccine. I, I mean, we should mention it. I don't know if this was certainly not the case when we did our last program. Uh, but as of this point, December 2020, uh, there is an approved vaccine in several countries. Um, and it's starting to arrive. Not just that, it's it's this week it's being administered. Uh, the ones I know about anyway, the UK, I guess I read a lot of UK news, uh, the United States, uh, where else are people getting this vaccine? It's not in the Netherlands that I know of. <laughs> Bahrain. Maybe. Bahrain. Oh, yeah. Um, Dubai and the whole UAE. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's those 
countries who have decided to just go for it instead of really waiting out the official process of long-established uh, organizations. Although, to be fair, the medical um, institution in, um, in the UK, I uh, forgot the abbreviation of uh, the particular institution, they have a long-standing uh, record of being one of the best in, in Europe. So they have been leading the way in, in terms of proving vac vaccinations. Mm. However, uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, I think EU has just decided that it's better to go for first a European way to have the EMA approve it for everybody. And then also the first distribution of the vaccines are going to be like what Europe has bought and which is then distributed. So it's not like every nation first and how much they can get. So the first batch is somehow the the European batch that gets divided up in a, a possibly fair manner. And um, as you can also see in the UK, while they have started with the vaccinations, you know, and always good to have somebody uh, sitting on a chair, you know, called being called William Shakespeare getting... <laughs> <laughs> getting vaccinated that's good for the news you know that 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 makes it until uh, the weekend edition but now you get lots of stories of this whole vaccination campaign to be like messed up in terms of organization and institutions that don't know where to get the vaccines from and you know it's uh, mm -hmm. it, it's it's still the same mess that the current johnson government has been on so many things so uh, Brace yourself for some bad news in terms of how this will be administered large scale. Mm. While I think that might be something that the rest of Europe could be pretty good at because they take their time. They are waiting for the approval and they have uh, pulled the approval a bit slightly you know, before Christmas to have somehow the, the good news out before <laughs> Christmas mm. Eve but that's just a technicality and they they will start in, in this year but it's all uh, a logistics I wouldn't say nightmare it's a big feat that they have to to pull off all these new vaccination centers being set up in multiple cities yeah you need to find the personnel I mean it's almost impossible to get pers enough personnel for the hospitals to run mm. Um But then you would need um, lots of people, and not just ordinary people. You need uh, people who are trained in this, yeah, and who can actually handle uh, a syringe. And that might not be that easy to come by. So we have to wait and see how this will uh, turn out. But it's totally clear that this is the focus. And we've been, I think, the world has been very lucky in a way how this whole vaccine story turned out on a on a medical technical level yeah. i mean this is really an amazing story uh it, it's every goal that they wanted to achieve they have actually made it much faster and in a much more successful way than expected We might have some complications. Uh, there have been some already once people have been actually uh, vaccinated. And uh, so we'll have to see how this uh, turns out and um, how many people will actually, you know, get vaccinated. Yeah. And when. Yeah. 
I mean, this is going to become, it already is, a odd kind of combination or juxtaposition. I'm thinking here of, we just mentioned Europe. I think this is going to happen in other places. We see these big spikes of uh, the number of people getting coronavirus. Um, deaths, I guess, have have become a little bit less of a thing, uh, but you still see huge amounts of people getting it, uh, being affected by it. And at the same time, that's happening. Th- th- we can read a story uh, every day of the vaccine being administered, uh, even other kind of the other vaccines being approved uh, further on in the process of testing. And uh, those two things sometimes I, I think for people seem odd. You know, the, 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 I think there's a desire, obviously, to not just because of the amount of time we've been being cautious and so forth, but also knowing there's a vaccine out there and yet saying, no, but still don't go near anyone. You know, don't don't go to your family or don't. It's um, these two things are quite big contrasts but that is what we've got right that is that has to do with how many people we are in the world that has to do with indeed yeah the speed with which a a vaccine was developed but there is that element of handing it out getting it administered correctly and uh, even if you call your program warp speed i don't know that scotty has enough power to get everybody uh, a vaccine by i don't know spring (laughs) you know yeah, certainly I, not not everybody because that's just the problem with distribution. I mean, you just have to divide the the number of people living in your country by the amount of uh, doses you can hand out a, every single day. Uh, there you have it. Uh, it's going to take months, and and depending on how good it works, how many doses can actually be um, produced, it could take uh, even longer. Hey, Tim, do you think, here's a question, like to have our questions in news of the world. Do you think there will be an, I mean, we already have a medical passport in our world. I have one, um, but that has always been for going to places in the world where yellow fever, (laughs) Ebola, whatever is a thing to show that I have certain vaccinations. Do you think this, let's take the European scale, for example, will become a thing that you have to have a, some kind of medical proof that you have a, especially for the coronavirus, that you have a vaccine? I can see that coming. Yes. I can see that coming. I mean, look at countries like Taiwan or New Zealand, you know. Islands, of course. Same applies, I think, to to, to Vietnam and uh, many other East Asian uh, countries. They have done a pretty good job. I mean, they are basically on zero COVID. There is nothing. No, there's no known cases. They have some every now and then, but that's all people arriving and they're usually caught during quarantine. So the numbers count, but it's not actually endangering the the society. So they have set up their procedures. They've basically done the right thing. They still uh, are hit by the overall downturn of the economy worldwide, but they haven't really destroyed much more than this. You know, they are uh, capable of, of, um, of coping with it uh, without being um, limited in what they can do by the virus itself on their own ground. So now that the world is supposedly opening up, will they, you know, 
They w- they want to change it. They want to have tourists there, but they can choose. It's like you want to go to the <laughs> to a zero COVID country. Yeah, you're welcome. Where's your vaccination? Oh, you don't yeah. have one? Well, then go. consider Spain. <laughs> so it's like yeah. US. <laughs> you choose. Yeah. We don't care. You know, we're going to uh, be capable of of. Um, of selecting the tourists we don't we've made it until here so i can definitely see that coming i think it's morally correct it's ethically correct uh especially given the fact or is it a fact well it's not the uh, fact now but i think i really expect uh to see that that these new mrna vaccines that have been Mm -hmm. developed are both very effective And also um, are not going to create big trouble medical-wise. There might be some people, you know, and that might be okay, you know. Uh, First of all, there will be many different vaccines being developed. Right now we have like five, six, seven vaccines that are in uh, the phase three trial period. So they aren't going to come out until February. You know, and they're all working. They're basically doing the same thing, but they are achieving it in a different way. So we will see that people are going to react to the vaccination itself in a slightly different way. So there will be other options, and and even more so in the future. So uh, if then you know you could s- still go, uh, set set your rules to something like, okay, if there is some medical proof that you can't be vaccinated for some reasons, you know, mm. then you have to go through quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It becomes the way. Uh, yeah, it's the way, and then you have to pay for it, and <laughs> you, yeah. you choose. So I see that coming, and I don't really think it's a bad thing. Yeah. No, and actually, I, when I think about it, it's not it's not something we've never seen before, actually. If people talk about it like, oh, it's a whole brave new world, but... This exists for many countries. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a usual thing. If you go to uh, French Guyana, you have to uh, be vaccinated for for yellow fever and and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, people, you guys are always going out to French Guyana just for fun. (laughs) And if you're an anti-vaxxer, you're also an anti-tourist. Ah, that's a a coalition. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of coalitions, I mean, as we've said, some things are not quite finished. And in this case... There is the U.S. election. There was, is. We have to talk in multiple uh, tenses. Uh, of course, Joe Biden, the vice president, a former vice president of the United States, was elected, question mark, to the presidency of the United States. This week saw the Electoral College, what many conspiracy theorists will refer to as the real uh, power in the elections in the United States, or at least presidential elections. They gave their votes uh, based on the results of the general election, and Biden, once again, wins. Uh, So that is interesting only insofar as there has been an attempt by the current president of the United States uh, to influence that electoral college not to go with the general election results. It didn't happen, essentially, and anyone who's checked a newspaper in the last, well, two, three weeks has seen that uh, Trump's attempts to stop Biden from taking his place or getting awarded 
through all the official channels, the presidency, uh, none of them have worked. Um, I think 86 judges at this point, 86 different cases, um, no, 86 judges and 50 court losses, uh, including uh, the Supreme Court. He he just keeps losing, uh, Trump does. So it would seem, as it has seemed, (laughs) that we are closer to, indeed, Joe Biden come uh, January uh, getting the presidency. (laughs) That's on January uh, the 6th, right? Oh, I can't remember. So that's when they all meet uh, at Congress, Ah. and then they have sort of to, um, I don't know what the official process is. They have to somehow, you know, read the results out loud and therefore make it known that this is now a thing. (laughs) Yes, yeah, there is, <laughs> just a reminder, this is a thing. We weren't kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, the inauguration. I, okay, and then there is the inauguration, uh, which I think takes place 20th. just after that. Yeah, 20th, yeah. Um, but see, some there have been some references uh, after the Electoral College. You know, the question becomes, oh, how can they still, they being the people who don't want Biden to become president, don't want to accept the election results, anything else they can do uh, legally. And apparently, and again, a lot of vague uh, references to this, you can pursue it on your own, that there's a policy or a law maybe from the 1800s where the Senate, instead of just reading the result, sort of routine, could demand a vote to approve the results or somehow recognize the results. I, I, I don't think it's a like black and white issue here. I think it's sort of, it, it, it casts doubt on the, it, it would not be good for the election results. And they need two Republicans to do it. They need two Republicans to present the, what do you call it? That it should be a up and down vote. Well, yeah, but from what I know is that even if that would happen, they would have both the Senate and the House to agree on this, and that's definitely not going to happen. Definitely not going to happen. So right. uh, I think this is a done deal now. <laughs> yes, but they could do it just to continue this process of, uh, let's let's put it into words, um, he knows he's losing, but he wants to take a dump all over the whole thing and cast doubt and make himself a hero. I mean, we've referred to all kinds of ways of what he's trying to do. And so they could do it anyway, just to be (laughs) angry children, but also to, to have it recorded like, Oh yeah, no, that year, uh, there was some doubts about the election, big doubts. So they did a vote or, you know, didn't change anything, but they did it. You know, it's all yeah, I mean, that's what this whole presidency uh, presidency has been about. The, 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 the whole style of uh, how Fox News has communicated, how all the other crazy outlets, right-wingers communicate. It's a disruption of public discourse. It's getting people to a point where they say, oh, I don't know what's true anymore. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. Where, where truth in itself has no value anymore, and and that's the the core strategy here. So it, it's not about it turning the results anymore. He know mm-hmm. he's going to leave. He knows it because w- once he stays, somebody with more <laughs> weapons than he has or is capable of using. Is going to come and ask him to, you know, go now. Um, he knows that. 
and everybody knows it. But that's not what it's about. It's about claiming the unknown. You know, it's like, you never know. It could have been rigged. It could have been wrong. It could have been whatever your crazy mind wants it to be in order to assert your distorted view of the world that's mainly all about what you want. Sure. You know, yeah. You want everything for yourself. You don't want to share resources with everybody else. You know, you want your privileges to to continue to exist. And this notion of no the reality is not the reality anymore is feeding into this and and and, and gives people something to hold on to and then they will happily glorify whoever is there to represent this and that's the role donald trump has decided for himself to to fill and mm -hmm. he's probably going to continue on that path and it will be very interesting to see if the gop the grand old mm -hmm. party is going for this you know or if they decide to return to their original base and um, fight it out in the middle, or if they're going the Trump way, which is you can only get even more crazier. <laughs> uh, you, yeah. you, you permanently have to, 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 to put it up another notch, although you already have passed the, the, the maximum. Yeah, I mean, we know that there's an expression in English that I do like, uh, dining out on something. You, you do something and you, you dine out. I dined out on that story for, for months, for years, when, when something happens that becomes a sort of symbolic, uh, motivating uh, story. And this is certainly Trump setting up what, what he's going to dine out on, so to speak, or build uh, the next few years on top of. And that is, I'm the guy who lost the the corrupt election you know i was a good president and uh yeah strange situation kicked me out but as you just brought up the question is one of the questions is does the uh republican party also take ownership of this story for the next few years and say like yep we were with him we were duped we this thing was stolen from us you know to benefit but also to stick with that story or do they separate themselves and say Oh, yeah, that guy. Ah, we don't really know what he's complaining about. I mean, right now, they've been mostly quiet. That's often reported on how few Republicans in, in any kind of office publicly say not just that Biden is president. That's a, a popular topic, but also that actually there was nothing. Uh, There's no corruption. There was no stealing of any election. They're not really saying that. But maybe within six months, within a year, they will sort of, you know, retell their history and say oh that wasn't really our thing that was his thing mm. or are we all together trump and republican party for the next few years yes, still looking yeah, for signs yeah okay here's here's what i think could happen um first of all i think trump is just going to continue to do his weird campaign rallies mm -hmm. you know <laughs> just because he needs it to to feel good you, you found it to be somehow effective but uh only effective in terms of that he was chosen president now in history, but because it's making him money, it's it's like the, the, the best business he has. People just yeah. give him money. I mean, he has collected 
over 200 million dollars uh, just in the last month, you know, with stop this. the steal, Tim. Yeah, yeah, stop the steal. You know, come on. And of course, it's not all all went to into his purse. You know, it's like half got to GOP and whatever, and was basically paying uh, other debt he already had. But he's going to be in big financial trouble. Uh, what is his business? His business is golf courses and hotels. It's not doing that well now no. in the pandemic. So, and he probably already has a lot of debt. And he's also losing a lot of friends now, including Deutsche Bank. So mm. there's no way to, to get new fresh money from, but from the loonies. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's a loony hero. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he's going for their purse and, 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 um, the, just the White House silver is not going to pay <laughs> for, for all the uh, all the bills. So, so that's that's the first thing I I think he's just going to do. He's just going to continue to do these crazy rallies, and he's going to uh, shout out his weird conspiracy theories. And Fox News might or might not report on this oan network and all these other lunatics and the whole right-wing scene is just going to you know use him as a as a as a, as a vessel of uh, for their beliefs and, and, and where they want the the broader public to to go to and that might work to a certain extent but it's not going to change anything in big politics for the next two years so mm. for the next two years the gop can totally focus on their role and what their role is going to be is going to be decided on january uh third i think mm -hmm. in the senate runoffs we have already talked about because if they lose these battles then it's going to be very problematic for them yep. If they retain one seat, then they can continue this hardcore opposition craziness, and then they might use the the Trump people to somehow you know fire the media with the bullshit just to to get through all uh, the, uh, the the crazy shit, or at least <laughs> prevent the Democrats of turning things into you know more reality based approaches. Yeah, yeah, that's that Georgia Senate election. Yeah, yeah, and then two years later, when we have the midterm elections, yeah, then it will be decided what path they're going to do. I mean, Trump is not going to be on the ticket. He's not going to, you know, run for a House seat or something it's like this. That's, that's, that's too that's, much work. <laughs> that's it's exhausting. <laughs> too much work. The only thing he's interested in is, is president, you know, or king of the world or, or yeah. whatever. Once they create a higher office, he's in. Yeah. <laughs> Pope. Probably yeah, is going, finally. going for Pope. Um, so, I mean, hopefully he's going to be um he's, he's 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 going to have deep trouble with uh new york uh mm. police <laughs> uh he might have uh, been committed apparently. for for tax fraud and and, and 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 whatnot so that he is out of the race anyway that's like the 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 good thing and i think there's a good chance of this uh to happen but uh, so in two years time i think the GOP has to decide what uh, they have to do. If they lose the Senate runoffs, they might 
dump him earlier because mm -hmm. then he's of no use at all. Right, right. Interesting. I, I picked it up on Politico today, uh, th talking about what happens in the next elections two years from now, four years from now. Uh, little factoid is 38 of 50 states, uh, which is basically accounting for 85% of the U.S. population. They will have uh, governor uh, elections for the governorships uh, between 20, 2021 and 2022. So a dozen states are uh, potentially going to either stay Democrat or, or become Republican or vice versa. And that's also going to be, as you said, like a real moment of seeing where the country really is and who's going to be able to do things, uh, what kind of agenda is going to be uh, able to be brought forward. Mm. And I think there's a fair chance for the Democrats to, to, to make this work for them on a, on a government, uh, governor level, because they have learned a bit about getting people out to vote. We've seen that in Georgia. We've seen it basically all over the, the US. I mean, Trump is bragging about having that there was never uh, an incumbent president that, that got 75 million votes in, in the US. That's true. You know, never ever was there anyone who, who won and had more than 70. But Biden has more than 80 now. So <laughs> yeah. they, they have really made, especially I think the, the, the black community Uh, accept the fact that, that they can actually change something. I mean, it will mm -hmm. depend on what the policies are going to be and if they have any chance of getting them through, depending on, uh, again on this uh, Senate situation. But I think in general, they have a point now and they might be able to use that new power on a local level. Mm. Yeah, and, and some people thinking about the, uh, you know, what policies they're going to, put forward and, and why uh, people voted for Biden, what they what they wanted to see. You and I have talked about how with uh, it's early yet, but uh, it's time the ba the Biden cabinet, the, the people that are going to be in key positions, um, especially in the aftermath of a Trump presidency where he put in people that were largely in their positions to slow things down, you know, take away regulations. Uh, <laughs> it was all about destroying stuff. So now you get a group of people that have potentially the power to, well, fix things, improve things, possibly uh, do something bold and new, uh, question mark. But, you know, then again, we are talking about a Biden cabinet. I think I myself forget that sometimes. Uh, this is not the most dynamic, youthful, um, change the world kind of Uh, politics. This is a seasoned veteran. He's sort of made no secrets of that. Uh, we haven't been able to get a lot if you're a progressive uh, out of him, uh, or at least out of what he says. So everyone's looking at the cabinet appointments. I'm sure uh, people have heard bits and pieces. Some of it is perhaps just too small to really focus on. But uh, what we're seeing, generally speaking, are Uh, a lot of Obama administration veterans, some people even Clinton administration veterans, uh, coming back in a different, slightly different position. But going with what we had uh, looked for, expected, there is this element of women and people of color uh, in positions, though not always in the top positions, uh, sometimes in the smaller cabinets. I've seen some complaints that the smaller cabinet positions are often people of color and women so far. But what I see is indeed uh, not much in terms of different, not much in terms of someone who hasn't already done this kind of job. 
Um, but indeed, yes, women, people of color, um, you know, Democrats, obviously. Uh, I, I don't think I've yet seen the sort of Republican included, but I'm sure he's going to do it because he is a person who has a lot of friends on both sides of the aisle for all his years in office. This week, we saw Secretary of Energy, which is essentially Secretary of Nuclear Stuff, uh, is the former governor, uh, Michigan governor, uh, Jennifer Granholm. Apparently, she's really into electric cars. I mean, it's Michigan car building. Mm -hmm. But it's a funny thing for a office that's I'm sure it has influence over things like standards with cars and such, but also like nuclear energy. And that's for me such a big question, risk, concern. And, you know, there there we have someone with potentially not much uh, on that issue. And then we had the former presidential candidate, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, is now going to be the Secretary of Transportation. Uh, so if you've ever been to, what is it? Grand Rapids, Michigan, what's his city? I guess everything is going to look like that now, but I have no idea what that town is like. Uh, but, uh, there he is, former president, maybe the first former presidential candidate getting a, a cabinet position. Really? Uh, I think so. I haven't checked my work on that one. Well, Clinton was secretary of state, wasn't she? Yeah, but no cabinet position for Clinton for, for Biden yet. Uh, like we haven't seen, like some people thought Elizabeth Warren. No, I mean under Obama or. Oh, oh yeah, you mean no, the I mean, first one in the Biden cabinet. Yeah, yeah, from that whole oh, right. crew. Okay, yeah, that yeah. you know well, back. Well, in the, Kamala Harris. Of uh, indeed, indeed, fair enough. Yes. Uh, that is the highest uh, possible former mm -hmm. rival. So here we have another former rival, different kind. I would say more of a. Well, everybody's a little bit. Uh, I want to use the word neoliberal. Uh, I know that some Biden supporters would be offended. So it's not my point to offend you, but it is that this is someone with a background who is not a, uh, well, not a socialist in the sense of not about expanding the public sector necessarily. You know, he's into the potentially the, the selling and, and increasing of income and, and sort of public private partnerships. We'll see. We'll see. Who else of that list of uh, candidates for? Um, the what's the official name of uh, Biden's cabinet? No, no. What, what have uh, all the others been like in the the pre-elections? Uh, uh, forgot the. Oh, terms. the other names? No. Who, <laughs> I keep getting. They it were <laughs> okay. They they were uh, applying for being the candidate of the Democratic Party. So that yes. So from that list of people. Who yes. would you who think still has a chance? I mean, there's Bernie Sanders, there's Elizabeth Warren, yeah. uh, of the more visible ones. Um, some probably won't make it. Andrew Yang. I th I'm surprised not to see a Yang in here. I mean, really? not surprised because Biden isn't, you know, a sort of change maker. But Yang was the cool outsider with a lot of interesting ideas. We've seen these type of candidates come up uh, in the past. I mean, even, even dare I say, Trump. Uh, brought uh, what's his name? The former uh, Car Carson, former uh, surgeon. Ben Carson, the sleeping. Yeah, ben pill. Carson was kind of an outsider. Uh, oh. You know, the doctor. Whatever. <laughs> you know. <it's> <laughs> uh, so I thought Yang. I mean, I'm a Yang Gang kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, and I, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I enjoyed him as okay. a candidate. I like his way of speaking, and I love that he has no background in politics at all. It's kind of fun. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure there's a job. Maybe he doesn't have to be secretary of anything, but he could be like, you know, special counsel on... Um, I wouldn't ideas. bet on him getting a job, actually, because no. Biden is going for pros. 
he wants people who know their game and not only have an interesting agenda, but also are capable, have already shown to be capable of of dealing with the organization and and yeah. you know no kids there's no kids in there yeah actually contributing to to get shit done i mean kamala harris in a way is a, is a, is a good appointment because she knows how to fight the justice system you know she knows how to 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 get things through she's she's been in the, in the senate she has all it, it takes so in that sense i don't know i mean <laughs> Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are probably the most visible ones of this list that somehow have a large fan base. Uh, right. But which are, <laughs> well, yeah, might be Bernie. too big. And then, and then, uh, it's also a question of, you know, are they, uh, too far left? I mean, it's so funny if you look at <laughs> what, what they stand for, you know, right. which right. in Germany would be just like mid to right. It's like yeah. slightly, well, Bernie Sanders is probably like a, a, a true social democrat, but that's still like in the, in the middle of everything. So would you think that Biden is going to hand out the hand to one of them for anything? Uh, I mean, Elizabeth I, Warren is really good at politics, isn't she? But I thought yes, and I thought the right kind of, between what you just described, being experienced and professional, but also being her own person, being strong, being a potential revolutionary in a way. Mm -hmm. I thought she would get treasury as soon as they selected Janet Yellen, an old professional from this world. I, I, I mean, some people have said she's different. I, I don't think so. But uh, so I thought that's it. There's no room for Warren now. There's no place for Warren. That would have been the job. Um, I, I thought my old friend and former guest on my podcast, uh, Cory Booker, <laughs> would uh, politics-wise, he would fit with Joe Biden in terms of Cory Booker is not a progressive. He is a very pragmatic person, uh, very pro-business also, but but yet a person of the people. I thought I, th I would think they'd throw him in somewhere. Don't know exactly where. Hopefully not education because the people of Newark would, uh, well, they've already risen up before, but they would rise up again. Like, what are you doing? Um, so I, I thought Cory Booker out of everyone. Uh, anyone else from that list? I mean, Pete Buttigieg makes some sense. Uh, there's still Julian Castro, who actually has been in a cabinet position, I believe, for Obama. So I'm surprised not to see him back because... That's the perfect formula. You were a Democrat, a presidential candidate, and you worked for Obama. You're in. Um, but I don't, I don't know that anyone else. Oh yeah, Amy Klobuchar. That would have been like pretty easy. I don't think. Uh, but she's got her Senate gig, so I guess that's too big to lose right now. You don't want to mess around with that. Um, so I don't think anybody else from the list really. Um, If you're in, in, in the Senate or in the House and you move into the government, you have to leave your post in the Senate or House, you. right? Then we get special elections. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's a problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, in, in case of Kamala Harris, not a problem, but she's going to be replaced by a Democrat anyway. Or has, has she already been replaced by a Democrat? I don't know. I don't know either. Well, but All that's… Right. No, I mean, no, I don't in, think that's happened yet. But no, in California, that's, you know… Yeah, not not a big right. uh, problem. No? 
So you you've done a podcast with Cory Booker. I just I did. on on, on Citizen Report a long time ago, 2009, yeah. 2011. Yeah. Okay, we're going to link to these. Yeah. I think I have to re-release the audio actually and, and look into it. I have to re-release my whole archive. But uh, yes, I did. Yeah, I, I when he was mayor. Yeah, yeah. I went I went with him on a night patrol. It was very nice. Mm -hmm. He's always been very good at. Uh, even with large numbers of people um, communicating, reaching out, no, remembering your name, remembering something about you. Like, I mean, that's part of the job. Um, but even then, you saw that he's very good at this. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. So uh, I don't, you know, there's still opportunities cabinet wise. There's still some big uh, education is still out there. Um, so, so what about general. Bernie Sanders? Is he going to get a post? No, not at all. Not at all. Why? He's too important in the Senate. And I think he's right. too big of a personality. And that's true for a lot of the presidential candidates. Uh, you know, Beto O'Rourke, like too big. These personalities are very big. They they want a future. I'm not, not Sanders, but, you know, O'Rourke wants a future in the party, maybe without being a Joe Biden person. But for Buttigieg, it's, a, it's the right step, isn't it? I mean, he's been, he's <laughs> mayor? been mayor. That's not much. You know, I mean, he made, made a brand out of it. And he, I think yes, he, he did, did it in a good way. I, I mean, yeah. uh, if you have somehow uh, had your uh, personal love affair with um, Yang, which I found confusing, oh, you know. Love, I wouldn't, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well. <laughs> I loved him in the debates. I really loved him in the debates. Yeah, and I loved the debates, and uh, especially the interviews and the way he has introduced himself and injected into the media system the way, uh, well, Pete Buttigieg did it. I, I think it was, he had, or has, a certain style that I haven't seen so many other <laughs> people like, uh, you know, provide. Uh, and uh, uh, it's actually just not one thing. First of all, he came on to, onto the scene with a very consistent story. The way he presented himself, the way he put his, like his homosexuality uh, out there, you know, to debate without questioning anything. Uh, even making a, a cult uh, out of it with his, you know, husband, Chaston. Sure. Yeah, it was a book out. I was looking for good books to buy for, you know, Christmas. And there's his book. I didn't know. By oh. by Chaston. Yes. All right. About his husband, I guess. All right. Being a political husband or something. Okay. I don't know what the book is about even, but. <laughs> you just bought it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I put it on the maybe read. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a maybe read for me. So is Obama's book. Okay, put it on your Amazon <laughs> wish list and then people can buy it. It's so. just behind Matthew McConaughey's book, <laughs> which I want so, to read. Yeah, but, but but then he came out with his presidential campaign yeah. and it was well done. I mean, yeah. just the design of it, it, just, you know, all those details. But mm -hmm. when he... And, and and then he brought it to a certain point. He had a success. I mean, he was like second place in, oh, yeah. uh, in Ohio and so on. So, but then once things turned out to go for Sanders and, and, and Biden and that he doesn't have any chance, you know, he knew when to withdraw. He knew how to position himself. He supported Biden then, you know, he sh closed his mouth for a while. And then when things were decided and it was just about biden versus trump he had this extraordinary appearances on fox news have you seen that no no i mean no. nobody even tried to go on fox news 
But he was on, you really have to review that. That was just pure excellence. I mean, he was there, you know, listening to all this bullshit of Fox and Friends and all the other commentators, you know, and he was listening to them and putting out his answers and it was like bang, 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 kill switch. I mean, mm -hmm. he he turned the arguments around in a way. And not, not, not saying that changed a lot, you know, but he wasn't even accepting this position of you no know, being a democrat so just to, to to accept the bullshit no he was just turning the arguments around and, and and putting it against trump and just the look on the moderator's faces these fox news moderators after he spit out his answer it's just like pure gold that's that's really something you want to hang on your wall and <laughs> i i just say well done sir i mean you might not be Your, your 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 policies might not yeah. totally hit hit it. Uh, he has like weird opinion on 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 Medicare for all on, on this thing. So I'm pr probably more more left leaning uh, in that sense. But but the style, his execution, yeah, yeah, you know, that's just good. And I think that's what Biden wants. That's mm. that's the kind of fits. Yeah, it, it totally fit, fits the, the the suits he he wants to show to the public. And and from what I understand, which is not that much, but the uh, the Democratic Party sees him as important for their future. Oh and yeah, that's not always true with every candidate, but they've invested in him, and there's there's something there in terms of like, hey, not this year, but and if you do this job, good. This you know already many of the articles said. Being Secretary of Transportation could help you with uh, people of color and the poor, <laughs> you know, because mm -hmm. we all, every working class family really cares about who's Secretary of Transportation. Um, but uh, <laughs> what, what is Secretary of Transportation actually doing? What's the, uh, what, what, what does it mean, transportation? Is it also infrastructure, bridges, building yes. stuff? Yes, yes. I mean, there's certain states' power, of course. There's a limit to the federal power, but uh, there's something there. Yes, you can have... For example, I remember, uh, if you can remember back, Tim, you've been to New York. Uh, there's So we've got tunnels and we've got bridges. Uh, and the whole problem, if you've ever been to Manhattan, is uh, if you want to come from New Jersey, which is where a lot, double the population basically comes from for working, um, it's a lot of people, and there hasn't been any improvement. So there used to be this proposal to build another tunnel i think possibly more than one um and it would be very expensive these days to build a tunnel between new jersey and new york and it would have required federal money uh to my understanding and uh somewhere even i think during the bush uh years the, the one of his two terms they just killed it from the federal level i think already um the money that was supposed to be there so the federal government has power over infrastructure to some extent certainly by providing additional money that often maybe states don't have um then priorities perhaps i know that the obama administration tried to prioritize high-speed rail at least as a vision for the future and they laid out three or four different places california was probably the most uh, like likely candidate where there could be high-speed rail lines that would receive federal funding so there's certainly some influence over what the country does transportation wise mm -hmm. 
On the other hand, there's so little good federal uh, infrastructure other than highways. All the drivers out there probably know better than me uh, that, you know, when the federal government is involved, when it comes to highways and the highway system, it's, I guess, important. But I, I don't know so much about that. Don't forget that this country, the United States, only like... I think it's about 10 years ago was the big crisis of like a bridge collapse. Suddenly it was discovered. And even here in Europe, there was more emphasis on, you know, we should take another look at bridges that actually might not be in good standing. Uh, We had the collapse in Genova maybe two Mm -hmm. years ago. And suddenly we realized everywhere that infrastructure uh, supporting existing infrastructure had not necessarily been a well carried out priority uh, especially when you're in a big country, when there's budget cuts and choices. So, you know, in that sense, Pete and and Biden uh, and the, the incoming administration have an important role just to keep people alive uh, with the world of, of transportation and ultimately the impact on the environment. Um, also, you know, they've got they've got something to do here. So we shall see. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know if any of these other it is interesting to look at the Democrats list to see who could get another cabinet position. Maybe maybe there's room for one more. One of the smaller ones, there was Tom Steyer, who was like a, a money person uh, who, who helped fund a lot of the uh, campaign against uh, Donald Trump in terms of the, the uh, impeachment and he was a sort of middle of the road kind of democrat candidate very friendly not too big and i could see him maybe getting a job too but uh, tom's an old white guy maybe that's not exactly what we want uh if we're biden it's hard to tell hard to tell so let's see what we get there's two outsiders up for education which is interesting uh, former dean of howard university and a sort of educational a veteran from Connecticut, there would actually be people who didn't work for Obama who could come in and be somewhat different. And that's education. I mean, it would really be important these days, uh, especially after Betsy DeVos, which has been a particularly anti-public education uh, secretary. Not that the federal government has that much power, but they, they've got their federal grants and, you know, it says something. So you mentioned that he might still add one or two Republicans to this uh, cabinet. And uh, I think the names that are most likely passed around are John Kasich from Ohio, I guess. Yeah, he campaigned for Biden even. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been anti-Trump for a long (laughs) time, like one of the few. And the uh, other from uh, Utah, the um, former presidential candidate. What's his name? Um, Romney. <laughs> Mitt Romney. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> what about Romney? He's in Senate uh, still. Yeah, too too important of an ally in a weird way, or someone yeah. you could work with in the Senate. It's funny how now, you know, Senate has become so important that you don't necessarily right. want to disturb that. Yeah, he might, be, he might be a solution for situations, even if they only win one of the runoffs. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Could be, could be. Could be. Uh, That's going to be interesting because I think the chance of, I haven't looked at the sort of odds, the Vegas betting and everything, but I'm sure that there's a decent chance that we could have a split Senate. And uh, that's when it'll become interesting, as they say, for reaching across the aisle and, you know, yeah, Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. Who's who's someone who doesn't, doesn't need to toe the party line about never working with Democrats, but actually would. Yeah. All right. So... What about the Senate runoffs? 
How is it going? <laughs> well, I mean, early voting has started, as I've understood it, this week. Um, of course, the actual uh, elections is still what the first week of January. Uh, it's definitely January, so it's amazing how early early voting starts. Um, but <laughs> That's apparently, what early voting is all about. <laughs> it's true. Capital E on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, apparently, it's not expected to have as high of a turnout because, well, it's you know when you compare stuff with the Trump Biden show. I mean, how do you? How do you live up to that? So on the one hand, you don't expect the same turnout. On the other hand, it's well known how important this is. I think even for the average person in Georgia right now, you know the whole world is watching uh, the result of this election. And uh, there has been a very high demand, again, uh, in corona times, for uh, mail-in votings, voting. And once again, this puts the risk, and it's already happening, there are legal challenges before Uh, any votes are counted to have uh, mail-in certain kinds of mail-in vote-in errors and stuff thrown out altogether there's room here obviously for more doubt and this has become the thing in a time of heavy mail-in voting point to it and say oh you don't know what that is or ooh that wasn't done well so both parties are and and the state i would call it its own party because the state of georgia doesn't want to be humiliated and that's been kind of the fight between the republicans uh doing these jobs of election monitoring and and handling who just don't want to be don't want people to say well first of all things that aren't true but just being accused of being like oh you guys don't know how to run an election so there's actually kind of three parties rushing here to show that this is going to be a well-run, non-corrupt, you know, non-compromised process, but it's going to have a lot of mail-in voting. And actually, I think these numbers, especially with early voting, could get as high as what we saw for the presidential election because, you know, we have two Senate races. um, And as we've pointed out, it's really important. So it's big. Everybody has been campaigning. Uh, Mostly we hear Biden and Pence very active. Obviously, the president of the United States, uh, he's too sad and too annoyed to uh, do too much campaigning, but but he's done his rallies and uh, it's going to be a very close race. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, and the stories are coming out about legal challenges, uh, and I don't, I don't know if any of them will hold up, but I don't think they're as easy uh, to knock out as, as the ones that Trump has put forward. I think these might be more clever and more well-organized and, and carried out with better lawyers um, to say, look, if you do this on an envelope accidentally, if you mark this ballot, it's out, it's out. I mean... I think we could see a more successful campaign of throwing out votes as they're being counted or just before they're counted. Um, so that's also something. So these two races are Purdue against John Ossoff, Ossoff being the Democratic uh, candidate, and um, Kelly Loeffler. Kelly Loeffler uh, against uh, Warn- Warnock. Yeah. What's yeah. his first name? I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. I always know him as the Reverend Warnock. Warnock. Yeah, yeah. the Reverend. Okay. (laughs) So looking at the polling uh, at 538, yeah, you're right. It's close. It's like both are, all of them are around 48% something. Um, And uh, yeah, it's totally open. Yeah. And I wonder how, 
What motivates, I mean, are Republican voters extra motivated now to make a point now that they have lost to the Democrats on a state level for the presidential elections? Or is it that they might be more frustrated and say like, ah, whatever? I th I think it's the first. I think that there this could be a rallying point. Uh, look, there are plenty of Republicans that are tired of Trump, but they still believe in their party, in their politics. Maybe they've bought into the stories uh, of of like that this Biden administration is going to be too radical, no matter what they see <laughs> in terms of speeches and cabinet positions that point to the opposite. Um, but either way, even if they don't think they're going to be too radical, it's not their party that has won the presidential race. That's clear, or at least it's clear enough. Um, th this could be a rallying point. So I think that they're going to be fine in terms of turnout. I think that they'll be just as strong as they've ever been able to be in, in Georgia, which usually means a win for the Republicans. Uh, I'm curious here if, if maybe I, I haven't dove too deeply into who Kelly Loeffler is a little bit into Purdue. Um, I get the impression she's not that great of a candidate. <laughs> look, we, that doesn't matter. I mean, look who's president. Um, yeah. But uh, I think we could have a split here. And I think the Republicans will turn out because it's become a rallying point, no matter how extreme you are. The, for the rallying point for the people that say, what a terrible theft. But it's also just a rallying point for people who say, forget Trump, forget the presidency. The Senate is the power and we want it control these guys for the next four years and then we get someone and actually someone better <laughs> for who we've had uh so you know this basically this is the bridge uh, to another republican president potentially yeah but then you also have uh incoming a uh, new superhero stacy abrams and yes her do. super skill to to organize Apparently, I mean, she has brought so many new voters to the yep. the polls, and that's uh, the reason. And I, I think they also might have a run. I mean, that's that might yep. be open, but it is truly open. I mean, it could really swing uh, one way or the other. And in uh, around two weeks' time, we know more about this. Here's what I don't remember, and, and you have five thirty eight open, Tim. I don't think. Look, it's a, it's a new race, maybe, but in the in the original the the general election, I was surprised that Ossoff did not do well against Purdue. At least, you know, he he did not match Purdue's numbers. He was close enough to get a runoff. Did it finish that way? Uh, because that's also one thing that concerns me. That I think Warnock would seem to me. I mean, we didn't have the benefit of that first race because this is a special election. But he would seem to be to be stronger as a candidate in general. And there's no numbers for, you know, that first uh, election having been not successful. But I was surprised and sort of concerned because uh, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm for Ossoff winning, right? Um, that he simply couldn't handle Purdue, you know, and beat him convincingly in that first race. That might be true. I don't really have a page open that tells me the, the, the results. From what I remember, he was like one or two points behind. Yeah, and okay. uh, what I can see is how his popularity uh, in the polls have developed uh, since uh, November 9th, and it's going up. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. We okay. just don't know. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I stand corrected. Uh, oh, no, no, I don't stand corrected. Yeah, Purdue finished with 49.7. Sorry, Tim. 49.7% uh, of the votes, and also I've got 479 
Yeah. But yeah, that's a difference of uh, well, a little bit over a hundred thousand votes. Yeah, and there were other uh, other less. candidates on the list, you know. So so right. so they dropped. Understood. Out. Yeah. And yeah. now it's just between them, and that means whoever was the third or fourth uh, candidate, uh, right. there might be reason for them to to join Ossoff. And then we have to see. I mean, that's just going to be very exciting. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 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 So there's that, and that'll be certainly a, a big story as the new year begins. Um, so we can look forward to that. Um, this week, I, I, I brought a story because I've seen it making the rounds, and we mention it here towards the end of our list, but um, news out of China. For years, obviously, we've heard about the situation with the Uyghur people. We've heard about um, uh, prisons, uh, these sort of campaigns to change uh, the religion of Muslims in China. And I found it particularly alarming and interesting also uh, in terms of what kind of response you get from the world. But there has been a report released uh, on forced labor, specifically for the cotton industry, so for the garment industry in the end and other uses of cotton. I mean, China is not the biggest uh, supplier of cotton in the world, but they're certainly big. Um, I think they represent 20% of the global supply. And it turns out that at many of these prisons uh, or training camps, as I think the Chinese government has called them, uh, the report indicates this was from the Center for Global Policy. It's a Washington-based think tank. And they're basically saying that half a million Uyghurs are forced to work uh, picking cotton. It's part of this whole program that they have to go through, the years they have to spend, um, in, in, they don't call it detention, but obviously it's, it's forced labor. And as a response, we're seeing already, although it's the end of the year and there's so much, as we've seen, other things going on in politics, uh, the United States is announcing a ban on Chinese cotton. Obviously, this is fits well into a Trump uh, campaign that has nothing to do with human rights, but uh, is always about banning things from China. Yeah. Uh, I think the EU is also supposed to respond, though I don't have anything in front of me about what they're going to do. But the result is going to be, I know the UK is considering it as well, a sort of ban, don't know how long it'll last, don't know how strict it will be, but on Chinese cotton with the, mainly the reason that, look, if if there's reports coming out that it's Uyghur people being forced as slaves to, to work, you know, prison labor, uh, we don't we don't want, you know, what can we do here? China is very powerful economically, but we're going to say, we're not taking that. We're not, you know, you're not selling it to us. Um, you know, these kind of reports have been coming for years now, and the Chinese government will always respond by saying it's not true. Um, it's, it's a very difficult area to get accurate information, and it's even more difficult to actually do something to change what is happening. But here we obviously see governments using their economic power to make a statement. Um, and I think that's certainly something. I mean, it's just a tough, tough opponent to go against. It's a tough thing to change. So uh, we'll include a link to the stories, but I bet many people have seen some mention of it in the last few weeks. Uyghur labor and cotton. Keep an eye out for it. That doesn't really seem that, that the West has a, a big influence right now on, on anything of China's internal politics. I mean, they're just shrugging it off and saying like, yeah, who, who are you? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> come on, yeah. de- deal with the pandemic, losers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And, yeah, and, and you don't understand and, you know, that's, 
yeah, they'll often say, you know, you don't understand or that's not the situation and this misinformation. Yeah, and we probably do not understand. I mean, I'm pretty convinced <laughs> that these um, reports are mostly true. You know, mm -hmm. there's bad, bad things oh, yeah. going on without having any particular uh, knowledge about this. But that's obvious. And uh, China doesn't really have a big, uh, a good track record. Uh, you know, Tibet uh, is also... Uh, a source of big trouble for for decades now, so that's basically out in the open. And I mean, if the West is coming and say like, "Oh, you know, your human rights record is so bad," <laughs> sorry, but you know, Saudi Arabia, you know, that's that's your 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 best buddy. Uh, don't don't tell me anything about human rights <laughs> uh, records. So. It's it's a hollow argument somehow coming coming from the U.S. from the West and, and also Europe in a way. Um, but on the other hand, what I think what's missing in general, including myself, you know, our whole Western culture doesn't really understand China. Mm. We we have no clue, and they mm -hmm. they might not know and understand everything about us too, but they definitely know us a lot better than we know them. Yeah, that's interesting. Yes, yeah. Uh, and and th that's one of the big problems that yeah. we are incapable. I mean, Trump was somehow pff, ah, the late show with Stephen Colbert stopped even mentioning his name anymore. And that's probably something we should do because that's just an extra time. But in general, I mean, Obama was somehow... On, a, on an interesting path with dealing out this Pacific international trade deal, which mm. then more or less failed because of Trump. Um, because he knew that the influence of China is just going to be uh, bigger and, and something has to be done uh, about this if you want to have this conversation open. Um, that's passed. But I think we somehow have to accept China is there. We have to accept that China has a, a different approach to society. We don't like it in some respects, but there's also a lot to dislike from our systems too. Probably not so much about Germany and Netherlands, although, mm. the, you know, <laughs> details. There <are> things. <laughs> but, you know, we've, we've talked about so many things that are going pretty badly in, in, in the US uh, in general. I mean, look at the prison situation and so on. The, the, the list is really long. So mm -hmm. the, who are we to judge? You know, An otherwise well-functioning system of a billion people, you know, who's even capable of dealing with pandemics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, this is where organizations with people on the ground, uh, certainly whistleblowers when you can get them, This is where anyone who functions as a, a teacher, uh, whether it's culture, whether it's politics, language, certainly, all these people are very important because these are the bridges to help us understand uh, the country, what they're doing, and not to just, uh, and I'm, I don't think that's what you were saying, Tim, but not to just say, yeah, China's different, so we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do anything here or we're not going to respond. Uh, maybe it's not prison labor, you know, or so on. Um, so it's it's the attempt to, indeed, as you point out, limited understanding on our part, I think, but also to know when to respond, to know when something is happening and then 
have some options, but that's, which is tough indeed with such a powerful nation, uh, especially economically. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, people used to say, I feel like in the 90s in the US, people would say, you know, Chinese economy is getting bigger, Chinese population is getting bigger in the future. And it was a sort of a cliche thing to say, everyone will speak Chinese because it'll be such an important language the way English is now. And I, I, I was just thinking about that, you know, imagine we are already in the future. And what ends up happening is not that actually everyone speaks Chinese, but indeed that China is the economic powerhouse of the world. What a disadvantage for everyone else that isn't in China and speaks Chinese, right? Like we sort of missed out on a key part. If, if this is the economic engine of the world, or at least one of them, not speaking their language or understanding their culture puts us at a tremendous, well, disadvantage. And, and it's just bad for everyone involved because we just don't understand enough. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we have the U.S., you know, between language, between culture. I would argue people outside the U.S. do understand it very well, have been able to. Um, yeah. We should all Thoughts. learn Mandarin. <laughs> In the end, yes. And ironically, that may not happen. Not ironically, but, you know, at such a large scale as it probably should. Yeah. yeah. No. I don't know. Well, large scale, that's that's something that's uh, going to grow slowly. But uh, at least, you know, you have to fund programs. You have to, sure. you know, new people who, who, who want to get into Synology, they, yeah, they should just be able to do that. And, and it's just going to be ever more interesting. And then, I mean, I think the, the, the tipping point is probably going to be a point in the future where, Chinese culture really matters a lot to us. And that's slowly, we're slowly getting there with the social networks, with TikTok, you know. That's basically <laughs> a, a Chinese Teaching network. Tool. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. has shown us a, a new style. Um, we can, you know, shrug it off and say, like, yeah, but that's just funny videos with kids, you know. <laughs> yeah. We, we shouldn't do that, of course, because it has tremendous uh, potential is already influencing the world and things are going to accelerate from here on so expect more chinese content uh, to come we've already used to south korea being a source of you know tremendous pop culture when mm-hmm. it comes to, to to music that's something we've already accepted somehow you know we, we know that that the biggest boy band in the world is not from the us not from the uk they sing also in english but That's not what their success is built on. Um, and other things are going to happen. It was the, the Japanese were like kind of first with uh, the manga mm-hmm. uh, tradition. So, and we are going to see more that is from China as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably already there. We're just not seeing it. And um, that's something that is hopefully going to bring us uh, closer together. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So let's see how the new year is and if it's uh, uh, one of uh, uh, more understanding and uh, more transparency, who knows? Um, I think I might end today on that note of the the China and the things going on in China. I, I am hopeful that 
as we approach the end of the year, Tim, we could still uh, do an end of the year type program as we have traditionally where we sort of, I don't know how we'll do it right now, but uh, look at some themes oh, yeah. from this Let's year. summarize this year. <laughs> In one show. Stay tuned for that, dear mm-hmm. listeners. Thank mm-hmm. you for being subscribed so you can get that. <laughs> well, we do have that great tradition, though. Yeah. yeah. Hit the bell icon, gets. All right. So until next time, uh, thank you so much, by the way, for all the feedback and the I, I see the stuff on Twitter, obviously, as well with uh, people just either retweeting or commenting or uh, I know that you had a, a Meta Eben uh, anniversary and man, did that get a lot of happy anniversaries. And then I got mentioned in there. So I was like, oh, I feel like I'm having an anniversary. <laughs> so happy late anniversary, Tim. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For your produ- do you call it your production company? How I call it. Your podcast network? Well, it's Meta Ebene. That's that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's, it is. It's above everything. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> all right. So until next time, thanks so much for listening, everyone. And you can find us in all the usual places if you're not already subscribed. Find news with a Z of the world out there on the internet. Shall we say it, Tim? See you next time. See you next time. Bye. There are so many notable Rudolphs that we know. Maya, that reindeer, and poor Valentino. What do you recall? The most batshit Rudy of all. Did you all watch my cousin Vinny? Rudolph the leaky lawyer had a very slimy face And to the law profession he was well a big disgrace Lots of confused New Yorkers found that they were incorrect They thought their former mayor had a little self-respect Then one night two years ago Donald called to say with your Rogaine roots Help me hide my prostitutes And how he sweat and slobbered As he melted on TV Rudolph the leaky lawyer You'll go down and in for me Let's take it nice and easy Get it? Rudy. He says to her How many fingers do I got up? I know crimes, I can smell them Rudy, he is it. Yeah, he is Rudolph the leaky lawyer Had a pair of crazy eyes And while he spread corona He was also spreading lies Oh, how the whole world mocked him Though he kept his dress shirt tucked He couldn't tell poor Donald Pack it up, cause babe, you're failing to overturn this election Still each day for months on end Donald texted, hey with your fart so free, let's go screw democracy. How that dripping doormat bent to Donald's every whim. Rudolph the leaky lawyer, you'll go down in flames with him. You'll go down in flames. I know crimes, I can smell them. Ugh, honey, that ain't crimes.
Maybe when you do what it is.